That's okay. I don't want to go. I'm just going to go home, lie down, and listen to country music. The music of pain. Is my thing going? Yes, it is. All right, everybody recording? Yes, Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what happened to me. (laughs) So, this is a very exciting day because we're finally (laughs) at the end of Buffy season one. Yeah, this is nice because I feel like it's weird because even though I'm the one who uh, hassled all my friends into starting this Buffy podcast, but then I, it's been a little weird in season one because I feel like I got a pretty serious case of the yeah buts where we'll watch an episode that's like pretty cool and I'll be like, yeah, but it's not like what Buffy's going to be. It's not how cool things are going to be because <laughs> you know? season one to me is just weird. So I'm very excited to get here because this means we're not only are we done with season one. But I feel like this is where it's like pedal to the metal now. Like Uh, Buffy is Buffy finally. Like Kazar. Yeah, it's exactly like Kazar. Like this episode is very exciting to me because it's like, remember when we watched the pilot and we're like, hey, that was surprisingly okay. Like it's like a little weird little movie and it just was like way better than it needed to be. And then it's just been bizarre ups and downs ever since where this feels like very clearly the sequel to that pilot. Yeah. Like you could just go from the pilot to this, basically, and all that stuff in the middle didn't really matter. Yeah. And it's like, all right, all that cool feeling stuff where it's like a little mini movie is back. That's what this one felt like to me. Yeah. That is accurate. That was potentially a waste of time. All that season, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, remember, too, yeah, early on I was saying, because especially those early ones with the witch and the mantis and Owen, that's where I was like, should we even watch these? But it turns out we're just, eh, it's just delightful to hear us yammer about shit, I think. So we ended up doing all the episodes, but that's where we were floating the idea of skipping them. Because, yeah, like, what was all that shit? What the fuck was Buffy season one? <laughs> Goddamn. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten my sweet 90s computer dream out of it, so... I'm good. Yeah, and how how can we do a recap show and just skip the first season entirely? Yeah. Yeah, and how can we do a recap show and skip Owen? <laughs> yeah. I know, we would have missed <laughs> Wet Boy. <laughs> and there's little stuff, like obviously they do build up Angel to some degree throughout the season, and we do get to know the characters a little, but again, it's like the way I just started watching in season two, and everybody says like, like the origin of this show kind of ran, right, where your friend was like, oh yeah, but not season one, you got to get to season two, you know. Basically, we're there. We did it. We made it through season one. We had some good times. It's not that bad, but it's just not Buffy. I'm really nervous because I, I mean, I don't know. I probably wouldn't watch it again, but I enjoyed it. I'm glad to have watched it. And I just had so many different opinions than you, Keith. Yeah. And now I'm like, what, am I going to hate the rest of the show? I'll watch it regardless. I'm definitely glad to have watched it too. Especially because I'm a completionist, kind of, and my brain would just go crazy if we started in season two. Yeah. I don't think I could have handled it, but I am real glad it's over. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't want to oversell too much, I guess. Like, this epicness of this finale, it's not going to be like this from here on in. Like, you can't have something this crazy happen all the time. And season two, it's still got ups and downs. Like, there are episodes in season two that are among people's most hated. You know, there's still the ups and the downs. But just overall, like, I don't think it's coincidence that the last two episodes, uh, Nightmares and Invisible Girl, 
were both story by Joss Whedon and someone else wrote it. And then this episode is written and directed by Joss Whedon. It's like, all right, we tried doing a show like a normal show would be where everybody pitches in and shit and it didn't work. So this is like Joss going like, he's like grabbing this show by the reins and he's like pulling it, yanking it with all his might away from this weird nonsense that it has been. And he's like, no, this show's gonna be good. I'm gonna make it good. And that's where I feel like this episode is like him just like a Herculean effort of just like lifting up this weird show that he got to make on WB. And he's like, no, it's not going to suck. It's not going to suck. I'm going to make it good. And it was so clear. It was like the direction, the writing, the like cinematography. Yeah. Even the acting felt better. It was just like, clearly the budget was quite high for this episode compared to other episodes. But just like all around, I was like, I remember like at one point, I just like, I was getting goosebumps and like, Almost like a feeling like I was going to tear up because I was like, this is, I forgot how good this show is. And it's finally starting. Like this is, I was just like getting that feeling of like, I was really complacent, like watching season one being like, it's not so bad. I forgot that this is like the show is what I remembered and how much I loved it. And we're getting into it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was overall for sure a better episode and it looked really cool and it was like better TV, but it was kind of boring. I think just like less things happened. I was just I was so stimulated through all these stupid episodes, and now there's just like one central story, snooze fest. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely felt the opposite. I felt like this episode was packed full of stuff. Like this was crazy heightened all the time. It was like end of the world shit. And there's still like problems. There's a lot of dumb badness about this, especially like that fight in the library at the end. We'll get into that. <laughs> there's a lot, of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of suspect logistics of these things and stuff. But yeah, just overall, no, I definitely feel like this. Uh, if anything, this almost could have been another two-parter, I feel like. But they, they crammed it all into one episode pretty good. Hey, before we go too far, can we? was there anything different in the world for our movies and music there was this was actually uh so june 2nd 1997 is when this one came out so there was a a couple of weeks break between episodes for whatever reason so a lot of time for new stuff to occur in the world so we got a shitload of new stuff cool we got a new top movie it's uh the lost world jurassic park part two. Oh Hell yeah okay that's a hit uh let's see top album finally spiced by the spice girls has officially reached the top of the charts damn it you have to start making this a game for us. I guess I'm just, it's hard to come up with a fucking <laughs> weird little hint. Well, let's see. Okay, top song. America and Europe both have the same top song. Uh, Ricky Martin, Living La Vida Loca. That's a very good guess. But it's like, again, I just, I don't know what possible hint I could give you that doesn't just give it away immediately. Like uh, three young boys who look like girls. Mm. See, like, what's the point in trying to... (laughs) No, I don't care. That was fun. That was way more fun than just saying it. But yeah, it's funny because this was, yeah, like taking over the world, except the top song in Canada is Elegantly Wasted by NXS. Oh, boy. Another case of like, I don't even know what that song is. So I was like, what? I know we're a backward ass country, but what is going on? So I looked it up and Umbop didn't become a Canadian number one for over a month. Wow. <laughs> like, are we behind the times or are we resisting it? Like, what does that mean? Things just uh, move a little slower up here, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you heard the, the umbop by the Hanson sisters there? Was, uh, 
That middle one is mighty cute. Mbop is a banger. Yep. Guys, yeah. If you don't like that song, you're just not listening to it loud enough. That's what I say. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You're <laughs> fucked if you don't like Mbop. You're full of shit. Yeah. All right. So, shall we recap? The fantastic finale? Yes. Let's shall. Giles is reading from that prophecy book the angel got for him, or Codex, if you will. Codex. (laughs) And it's very bad news, because, yeah, apparently this book is way, way more legit than all of his other books. Like, the shit that's in this book shall come to pass, and there's no question about it. And the book says that tomorrow the master is going to finally rise from his weird purgatory where he's stuck between realms, and the slayer is going to die. And that's just all there is to it. And uh, I mean, they don't—he doesn't learn that right away, but it's very clear. He, he trails off mid-sentence, but it's like when he's all rattled and upset for the whole rest of the episode. So it's obvious that something very bad's going to happen to Buffy. And this one thing that I think is cool about this show—that if I remember right, in my vague memories that this is kind of a thing like prophecies are always kind of a problem all this like harry potter bullshit of like oh the one who will stop the lord valdemar and all this shit and it's like it's a easy storytelling thing of just like it's a prophecy so whatever but i like how in buffy these prophecies that are crazy really happen you know (laughs) like they actually because i remember this happening in angel too later on of just like some they'll be like oh this such and such a thing and you're like well that can't happen that'd be insane and then it happens and you're like oh well okay then i guess (laughs) i guess that's what's happening but like how convenient that they get their hands on this thing and read about a prophecy that just so happens to be happening tomorrow (laughs) yeah i mean it is lucky that angel again just had that book under his fucking kitchen table leg or whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah And that this lost codex was somehow just in Sunnydale this whole time. Julian refuses to call it a book. (laughs) No, it is a codex. (laughs) It's got to stick true to it. So then a giant earthquake hits Sunnydale. And uh, this just confirms even more so that all this apocalyptic shit in this book is actually going to happen. Because it's like the master is breaking free. And it's so bad it like makes a crack in the fucking floor of the library it's just fucking shit up it's it's brutal yeah they definitely had a higher budget for this episode because they destroyed that set like they yeah. cracked up the library is all broken up i will say there's the part where they were showing the master orchestrating this earthquake i guess the music that they're playing is supposed to be this very ominous like oh no shit's gonna happen music but it just sounds like final fantasy 7 music <laughs> It's very bad. Yeah, I've got a little note about music coming up later on. But yeah, again, less less can be more about music. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. in the 90s, they certainly didn't feel that way. It's like, let's just swath things with this weird music that may or not be helping. But then to get away from the apocalypse, to take a sudden turn 180, we got Xander's big problems that... He's going to try to ask out Buffy one more time just before we can finally move on in season two from this fucking dumb subplot. Like, I guess I guess it was a natural thing, right? Like, okay, Xander's the dude in the gang. Buffy's the star. I guess he would be into her or whatever. But it never really worked. It never made sense. Like uh, Rand was just saying last episode, it's like, there is no spark here. There's no nothing. Why is Xander? What is this? <laughs> and yeah. So then, yeah, Xander tries to ask out Buffy one more time. And she's just like, dude, I don't feel it. I, why would I? There's nothing there. I'm trying to let you down here. But then he gets all mopey like, oh, I guess if you're not a fucking vampire, you don't get to be And it's like, dude, like this girl is one day away from death and she's got to 
spend all her time friend zoning this fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love Xander. He doesn't too, know but... that at that point, does he? <laughs> no. But uh, she doesn't either. But it's just weird. It's like, I mean, I love Xander as much as the next guy. But yeah, it's just like, thank God this is going to be the end of this nonsense. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Uh, yeah. I was curious if he would continue because it's just insane like i get it that's just what television was and is like there's always like will they won't they but it never was like no one ever thought anything was gonna happen between them except for xander and he just it sucks <laughs> he had a crush on her it happens everyone happens to everyone i agree you know. it's just how he handled it and how like yeah. yeah and i just don't like the way he sat on that bench like straddled it <laughs> yes cool. it was so weird <laughs> Yeah, and I did feel like to you, it just felt like TV 101 of like, well, I guess we have to. I guess we have to do this plot. It's more like... Yeah, that's what it felt like. It never even felt like the show was very invested in this idea. I did have that moment where he had to like go see Angel and and everything. And it was like, he was like, you're in love with her. And he's like, aren't you? And like, that's... Yeah, It was a cool moment where he was able to convince Angel to go help. And in a lot of ways, Xander is the hero of this episode. I think we can all see that. Oh my God, shut up. (laughs) He saved the day. Buffy died, but Buffy would Buffy's dead without Xander. We can all agree on that. Well, actually, I got, I got, I don't know. We'll see when we get there. I got thoughts. Yeah, okay. Probably, but who knows? But the the last thing I'll say about uh, I yeah that that I hate about Xander, it does help too because it makes you feel so much more for Willow when she's just kind of like keeping it all in. You see how much pain she's in. Like you wouldn't feel that as much if he wasn't doing what he was doing to her yeah that's one thing too just to once again be like the joss whedon love cast is uh he's so good at just taking whatever threads are around and doing something with them like yeah like this thing with xander and buffy it's like all right well here's what we got we got this situation so let's work it in let's make it mean something and like the greatest example ever is the avengers i can't believe he pulled that off like i know you haven't seen it right ran no it's like you got all these different movie franchises that are all just doing their own weird shit. And it's like, hey, guess what? Take all of these and make a two hour movie that combines them all and makes sense. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's not an easy thing to do. And yeah, he's he's so good at this of just like, what's the situation? OK, well, let's let's work with this garbage. <laughs> and he did. So uh, luckily, Miss Calendar. Yeah, she's back. I was so excited. Is it Technopagan or Cyberpagan? Technopagan, I think. It was Techno, yeah. Okay, because I was writing my notes and I'm like, shit, which one was it? Like, I don't remember. (laughs) But luckily, as a Technopagan, she's very aware that an apocalyptic scenario is afoot. You know, again, not a lot of explanation needed. In fact, the opposite. Giles keeps insisting, like, oh, you wouldn't understand. And she's like, fuck you, bitch. I've been on the internet. Everyone's talking about this. There was a giant earthquake. Yeah. Dogs and cats are living together. Shit's crazy out there. Tell me what's going on. Everyone's talking about it on the news groups. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and she says, this is a great line. She's like, because Giles is trying to, for for whatever reason, is like, no, I don't don't need nor want your internet techno help. And she's like, look, I helped you cast that demon out of the internet. I think that merits some trust. Yeah. I wrote that line down, too, because it sounds so (laughs) stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like by itself, out of context, terrible. But in context, how can you argue with that? Yeah. Uh, so here's another great one of these like season one lines where just those occasional little lines would stick in my head. I love this one where uh, after Xander gets shot down, Willow's asking him like, so how'd it go with Buffy? And he goes, on a scale of one to ten, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing that I said over and over in my obnoxious teenage years. 
What I loved, and I, I think it's, I don't know, maybe I'm jumping ahead, I, but it's around this time where he just was like, oh, it's fine. I'm just going to go home and listen to the saddest music there is, country music. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And it's like, oh, it was just a few years before the emo we know. Like, it just, and he's an emo kid. Like, it would have been perfect. And they're like, I don't know. What's sad music, guys? Oh, country? Sure. <laughs> the music of pain. Yeah. I double respect that because nobody's even there anymore. Willow already walked away. He's saying that to no one. That's Xander's <laughs> dedication to the, the joke is he'll just say it because it's funny. So Angel and Giles are discussing the codex thank you <laughs> and buffy comes into the just strolls into the library because you know she lives in the library she overhears them discussing the prophecy and that tomorrow she's going to face the master and she's going to die and yet yeah, what mike was saying earlier about like you feel that little oh man you feel the little sadness in your heart i don't know if you're talking about this scene but this is the one that definitely got me is like this is i was yeah incredible acting from sarah michelle geller like i don't think i gave her enough credit she fucking nailed this it was insane how yeah. good this was yeah yeah i mean yeah that, that scene was great and it was like yeah watching her deal with the fact that she's gonna die and it's prophesized and you know got to see her go through the dabda and rapid scale not rapid pace well it's not only that she learned that it's that she oh first of all she's confused because she sees old man library man and then her boyfriend and she's like what's happening and then they're having this intimate conversation about her future so she's already kind of like sad and then that drops on her like yeah that's intense yeah it's good and that's where i also realized about like uh about music, you know, Julian was saying about the music earlier. This is, I think, one of the reasons this scene was so good is this was a rare instance of no music. But I didn't realize until at the end of that scene, the sad music started playing and it kind of took me out of it a little. And I'm like, man, I'm glad they held off like for her sad monologue about how she's only 16 and she just wants fuck this, then I quit. Like, what? fuck all this. I'm glad that they didn't put music under that scene because it... It was so good, quiet, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think this scene in particular reminded me a lot of some of the, the later Buffy stuff that I've seen, like the the emotional weight behind the, I guess, people dealing with the things that are happening around them, which I think is a thing that happens a lot in the later Buffy stuff that I've seen, where, you know, it's not just all, oh, yeah, these crazy things are happening to us. It's like, no, these crazy things are happening to us, and also it fucking sucks, and we have to deal with the emotional baggage of dealing with all the stuff constantly which willow as a talking about later on in this episode yeah it's like a neat little trick of this show that it's so silly just on the face of it it's called buffy the vampire slayer and it's just silly stuff happening but it's so neat how if you pull it off if you thread the needle just right you can still add weight to these things and you can make them seem important even though it's fucking crazy <laughs> just crazy you know wb nonsense yeah a 16 year old is complaining that a prophecy says she has to die while her a uh, 200 plus year old vampire boyfriend is like pining after her in the corner. <laughs> the reading codex is about her behind her back. It's bullshit. <laughs> Every teen can relate. This scene also made me remember the fact that Buffy is 16 and Angel is 200 plus years old. Yeah. Which continues to be a little bit creepy. Mm. That fucking old dude. <laughs> Great. Just me. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, then as far as though bringing emotional weight to these scenes, this next one, it's a shame because this one didn't work as well for me as I hoped that it would, is Willow and Cordelia find just this whole freaking classroom full of dead kids. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's more dead kids than there's ever been. And it's really well done. Like <laughs> Last week they didn't kill any kids, and this week they're like, oh, fuck, we got to make up for it. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they realize that it's the season finale, and... Uh they had like five extra dead kids that they hadn't used up yet. And they're like, well, you got to just cram them all in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really like, well done. It was really cool and all artsy in a good way. Not like black and white Marcy, where it's like the, the, the handprint on the TV playing like Porky Pig cartoons, like this juxtaposition of just this dopey, you know, whatever rec room in the school with all these dead kids. And Oh, but it finally made the news, though. So that's nice, because like when a kid got his fucking heart cut out, no one cared. But <laughs> yeah, when giant bees were flying all over the city, no one really cared. Yeah. But yeah, Buffy's mom is like, oh, man, there's something on the news. You know, like Willow found all these dead kids. So I'm like, oh, like, nice. It made the news finally. But this is one of those things where like, again, just an amazing scene technically where Willow gives this speech to Buffy where she's like all rattled about like all these dead kids and how hard it is this like trying to amp up the situation like this shit with the master's crazy kids are dead everywhere it's totally fucked and willow's all like shell-shocked about it and her acting is amazing allison hannigan is like my favorite actress in the world she's so good but i just wasn't feeling this scene because there's too many dead kids this season that no one cared about i can't start caring about them now it's too late Like, Willow literally watched a guy get his neck broken in front of her in that robot episode. Arguably, that's worse, and she gave less than a fuck. (laughs) Yeah. So so it's a shame. It's like a well-done scene, well-acted, well-written, but in the context of this show where everyone dies all the time, I just was like, I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. That's funny. Yeah, I, I, it's because, yeah, you went in with the context of the rest of the season, because when you were starting this, I was like, Oh no, like I love that scene. I thought I, I thought Allison Hannigan was great. I wrote it down here, like how good I thought her acting was and how Riff Regan never could have handled that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, dead. And then you were like I was I thought you were gonna be like, Oh, I thought it was bad, but no, just with the context of the rest of the season, which I guess I just I guess I was able to uh compartmentalize a little bit because yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I almost was like sad that I didn't feel it more. I felt like I was robbed of a, an amazing Willow scene. Like this should be one of Willow's top 10 greatest hits. And uh, I was just thinking like, imagine if this would have taken more forethought than they were clearly giving the show at this point. But what if like almost nobody died? Maybe nobody. Like what if they made the show more Are You Afraid of the Dark Goofy the whole season? You know, weird stuff's happening, but nobody quite dies. I think that might have been better anyway, because all the deaths were so lame and stupid anyway. Imagine if no one had died until now, and then Cordelia and Willow find a classroom full of dead kids. This would have fucking been like a 10,000-ton hammer that hit everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But because people die every week, it's just like, oh, man, what a waste of an amazing scene. And probably would be better if we just watched the first two episodes and then that last one yeah as like a movie even there though it's like yeah remember your best friend jesse little jesse Xander, and willow and little kids in fucking kindergarten just loving life you didn't give a fuck about him either like i just don't know that there's any way this could have worked for me oh yeah sadly but that's just me nitpicking my show that i say i love and know this is my favorite episode it's so cool except this part that's awesome fuck it (laughs) who can understand the twisty corridors of the brain of Keith. Not me. Not me. Who would even want to? 
<laughs> so then Giles is practicing with a sword in the library. And I was like, does he just really not believe even a little that Buffy's going to solve this situation? Like, is he preparing for a demon-filled world where he has to fight people with a sword? I think he's just trying to look cool in front of his calendar. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to beat the master myself. And he's like, look at my katana. Holy shit. Anthony Head, is that you? Yeah, because Buffy comes in and is like, hey, I'm going to go. I don't care. Fuck it. I'm going to go try to fight the master. And Giles is like, no, you won't. I will. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's why he was practicing with a sword that's a little better yeah. <laughs> you know yeah still a bad plan but better than just like i really had that feeling of like wow he gave up already that's fucked up yeah miss calendar was great this episode too I, this is only the second time she appeared right since she since that first episode that she was in yeah yeah she was like that first episode it was kind of like you know, she's the techno pagan I, it didn't really like connect with her but she was like fun in this episode and and helpful and great and it's like oh just this is fun i think she's like a neat part of the team I like her. I'm excited. I hope she's around more. Yeah. And yeah, her internetness definitely seemed less obnoxious. Like it sort of made sense this time that there is a larger world. And if there's crazy earthquakes and crazy shit happening everywhere, like people are going to be talking about it. So that's kind of cool that she's like gets that other perspective that Giles really does have his head stuck in these books. But that's funny, too. You remember when Willow was like, hey, so what if I skipped class, which was just crazy for her to say? Giles had his crazy thing where he's like, I don't care what these old books say about Buffy dying. And it's like for Giles to say he doesn't care what the book said, he's <laughs> he's losing his mind right now. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's the craziest thing he could ever say. So Buffy just punches him out because it's like this guy's fucking nuts, dude. I can't deal with this yeah, right now. <laughs> I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she, she knew that if she didn't do something, he was going to go try to fight the master. Yeah, yeah, she was stopping him from going out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no books? <laughs> Bash! Who are you and where's Giles? <laughs> uh, and it was kind of nice, too. Like, this, this episode just hits a really cool tone of, like, you know, she's, like, her big final words. Like, hey, when he wakes up, tell him... I don't know. It's whatever. Tell him something cool. Say I said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like a Joss Whedon uh, line. Yeah. And I really liked the visual of Buffy in her prom dress with a crossbow. It's very cool. <laughs> it's just... But like, where did that come from? And why did that happen? <laughs> All of a sudden, she just has a crossbow. She's never used anything like that before. Am I wrong? Well, she had those all those weapons in the previous episode. Feel like there was a crossbow at some point. I think when she fought Angel, she had a crossbow. So maybe, maybe for yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I just blocked it out, and I'm expecting this to be like true to lore and just use a wooden stake. Yeah, mostly I remember just the stake. Back in my day, later on, yeah, I think there's a lot more stakings, but I don't know. It just yeah, again, it just kind of looks cool though. It does look yeah. cool, right? We can all. It did look cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, I guess, yeah, the dress came because her mom got her a dress. I don't know. That's one thing you might notice as this goes on is uh, I have a subtle dislike of Buffy's mom. Whenever I see her name as a guest star, I'm like, oh, great. Buffy's mom's in this one. So my recaps will probably subtly avoid talking about Buffy's mom. But if anyone has things they'd just love to say about Buffy's mom, I'm going to leave that to you guys. Yeah, I'm curious to see how like what else happens with her because other people have said that to me. They're like, like if I've just posted something on Instagram, they're like, oh, Buffy's mom, I hate her. And like so far, I yeah, she's not a great mom, but like she hasn't... Sh- 
she just hasn't done much for people to hate her yet. It's funny because I used to watch this show back in the day with my own mom most of the time. And uh, I mentioned to her like, I am doing this Buffy podcast now. And, you know, she hasn't seen it, though, in 20 years. So we're kind of talking about Buffy and she had vague memories here and there. And she brought up unprompted like didn't like Buffy's mom. <laughs> so yeah, Buffy's mom fucking sucks. Interesting. Other mothers can fucking can confirm that this is true. So you got that weird little kid, the anointed one. He's still just kind of around. I don't really know what his place is or what he was supposed to, how he was involved in any of this apocalypse, whatever. He just shows up to help lead. Oh, he's anointed. Yeah. And I guess like the, the master, his side of the prophecy is he, he needs Buffy's blood to superpower him, like Slayer blood to help him break free or whatever. So I guess the anointed one, leads Buffy to the master because he wants to be found at this point but it's all very convoluted and it's like what even was this kid what is this yeah I don't I don't understand yeah I really hate him he just climbs on stuff and is silent (laughs) and he's not a good actor he's like when they you know when uh you can tell that like an animal is just walking to its mark that someone led it to that's like (laughs) he takes her down into the catacombs points and then just awkwardly turns around and like walks back to his mom like he just looks so stiff and weird (laughs) so they're like this is the best we could do so meanwhile though buffy's heading down underground to fight the master uh xander goes to angel and says man we gotta we gotta fucking help buffy dude you know like what you guys were saying before it's like hey you love buffy i love buffy everybody loves buffy we're not just gonna let her go get killed motherfucker i don't care about your codexes let's go do this shit (laughs) and this is where i was going to say i'm a little surprised i guess i mean again we know me and rayanne are on opposite ends of the uh the buffy spectrum but instead of uh this episode feeling narrow like it's only about one thing i felt the opposite about this where i felt like so much stuff is happening different threads like this is where i first started feeling it of like okay buffy's over here doing this and angel and xander are over here doing this and the rest of the gang in the library are doing that and it's this thing that Back in the day, me and uh, my friend Brad used to talk about this. He's the guy that got me into Buffy. That in a really good episode of Buffy, it'll happen way more later when there's really good episodes. But it's like time dilation where it's like you watch it and you're like, I can't believe that was one episode. That felt like a whole movie. How did so much stuff happen in this one episode? And I'm starting to feel that a little bit in this episode. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that weird mystical feeling that Buffy squeezes so much stuff into 44 minutes. It's just weird. I don't know, maybe, obviously it is just me, but I mean, I still loved it for sure. And it's like nice, but every other episode, not for better. It just, there were so many like different things happening at once. Like they didn't necessarily have the exact same outcome or they weren't working on the exact same problem or the exact same beasts. I just found like they spent more time on certain conversations or I just like wrote fewer notes and I'm sure like, with watching two episodes in a row that's part of it too but yeah I just it's nice I felt like I could slow down and actually like take in what was happening because it wasn't like oh shit this kid died okay now they're going here oh but somebody else died like it it was just like slower in that way to me for me I definitely wrote down less notes for this but only because it was so much more engaging I think that I was just like really interested in it yeah and it blew by 
And uh, it is weird too, though, I guess, where there is like all these different threads of stuff happening, but some of it is a little scattered, like especially the library research gang, like at least Angel, Xander and Buffy are all just heading to the master. But this is weird where they're doing research about this apocalypse stuff and they're trying to figure out if the Hellmouth opens, where's it going to open? And they're like, oh, wait, it's the only other set, the bronze. <laughs> so, so they figure out, okay, that's, that's that going on and the prom is happening there. Holy shit, we better go deal with that. But this is really weird. Willow and Miss Calendar run off to go to the bronze. Giles just stays and keeps reading the books and is like, be careful out there. <laughs> and it's like, bitch, go help them. What are you still reading the books for? You know where the thing's going to open. What, what are you doing? I didn't understand that at all. That's so weird. But then I guess that didn't really matter because Willow and Miss Calendar go outside and there's zombies, not zombies, vampires everywhere, but they're very I much I said acting. zombie too. Yeah, they're acting like zombies. And I'm like, is there supposed to be zombies? What's going on here? That's exactly what I said to Julian. I'm like, they're zombies now? I don't understand. And then they're all converging on the library because it turns out it's not the bronze after all. It's the library where the Hellmouth is because everyone is converging on the library. And it's like... It is weird that, yeah, like this particular plot thread is like, go this way. No, go this way. <laughs> like, what the fuck? We did see the bronze briefly at the beginning of this episode, which we, I don't think we've seen the bronze in quite some time. Yeah, because there was a band playing. I was going to see where they fit on the bronze scale, but they just weren't there long enough. Obviously very low because I have no memory of it. Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, that scene when uh, Xander was practicing asking out Buffy with Willow was at the bronze. Oh, yeah. Uh... But, oh, I meant to look for food. Were they eating food? I don't know. I, didn't, I forgot to look. I don't think so. Willow was eating up Xander with her eyes. Oh, oh yeah. He's a snack, that, that boy. <laughs> so the vampire zombies are everywhere. They really are more like zombies the whole rest of the episode. They don't really act like vampires. Yeah. But maybe, who knows? Maybe that's part of part of the... Okay, you know what? Let's rewrite it. Let's, let's do Joss's job for him again. Maybe because of this apocalypse thing, like they're all being drawn kind of outside of their will toward where the Hellmouth is going to open in the library... But vampires don't generally follow orders well. They're fucking headstrong, asshole jerks. So maybe that is part of this. Like, part of the Master's big apocalypse magic is it's, like, mind-controlling all the vampires and bringing them to the Hellmouth, and that's why they act so zombie-ish. Yeah. Just imagine it like someone left a pie on the windowsill of the library. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What kind of pie? Peach cobbler. Okay. Blood, blood cobbler. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, blood. (laughs) (laughs) I don't move for cobbler. It's also the only way to explain how they managed to barricade the library and keep these vampires out, as if they're extremely dopey and stupid. But I guess we'll get to that. So down underground, the master just kills Buffy's ass, fucking kills her. Like the prophecy was true. She's fucking dead. And again, yeah, that's one of those crazy moments that it's just like, what the, what the fuck, really? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like yeah. And he, he sort of says some stuff about how, you know, these prophecies are, uh, they're, a little, they're a little shaky. Like, the basics were true, but basically if Buffy had not come down, the Master couldn't have escaped. Like, drinking the Slayer blood gave him that one last extra push he needed. So it's like, haha, sucker, and you're dead. How do you like that? And yeah, she just falls into the water, and it's like, that's creepy as shit, man. And she died. Thank God for Xander, her boy Xander. <laughs> he went down... He dragged Angel out of what I want, what I can only assume is his condo. <laughs> and uh, as powerful and uh, as super powered as Angel is as a vampire, still not strong enough to save Buffy's life. But Xander, 
My sweet boy Xander can do it. Because he could breathe. And how did a little a little CPR saved her from being defeated by the master? Well, she drowned. I guess she didn't die from being bit. She died from drowning, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, this is where it does get a little a little shaky of like the master only sucked a little bit of blood from her, didn't really, you know, drain her completely. So the drowning was more the main problem, I guess. And uh, and yeah, this is just all these other weird little things we mentioned before of like, okay, so I guess Angel doesn't have breath. How he's talking, who knows? Magic, I guess. Sure, why not? And I don't know, do you think like on the surface, I was like, wow, Xander saved Buffy? Wow, he saved Giles, he saved Buffy. Xander's better than I thought he was. He's saving people left and right. But do you think it was the CPR or is it just that they got her out of the water and her super powered, you know, uh, slayer lungs just expelled some water? <laughs> you know, I don't think Xander hurt, but I don't know if Xander saved her. I guess it could go either way. But she would have still been underwater. Oh, good point. So, yeah, he did save her. <laughs> like, even if it wasn't the actual CPR, he did save her. Because, yeah, slayers can't breathe underwater. Everyone knows that. It's in yeah. the codex. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know why I'm nitpicking to try to take away a victory from our boy Xander. <laughs> but you did it. You fucking, Xander did save her life. So maybe we should keep that tally. Who would be dead if they didn't have Xander around? So far, Giles and Buffy. Like, that's pretty good. What did he, can you remind me in my short-term memory, what was the Giles situation? Oh, it's because Giles was very cleverly tricked into laying in a guillotine. <laughs> 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 So that the magician Holy kid who shit, was also a demon right. could cut off the top of his head and eat his juicy brain. What a dumbass. Yeah, and Xander, yeah, like not only did Xander save him, like grabbed the rope at the last second. It was like, whew, man. That's heroic. He's a hero. Should literally be on his hands and knees saying a little prayer of thanks to Xander every night for the rest of his life, that librarian. And shouldn't we all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we should. I know I do. So then, yeah, it's funny, like, the stuff that I remember from season one, and it's almost weirder the stuff I don't remember, because Cordelia drives her car straight through the doors of the school and then busts through some other doors, and I'm like, that is so cool. How did I not remember that that happened? That's insane. It was awesome. And then they run into the library because, like, I guess they got to go tell Giles that he was wildly wrong. That is, <laughs> it's not the bronze at all. It's everyone's coming to the library. And these vampires, one of them slides across the hood of Cordelia's car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Bruce yeah. Willis, like in an action movie or something. <laughs> yeah, it was like, he's a very extremely cool dude. It's weird. And yeah, and this is like we were saying of like this part, this is all ludicrous like it's just that i like this episode well enough that uh you know i got enough goodwill in the bank that i'm willing to just put up with some nonsense but them keeping the vampires out of this room just sucks 100 percent. it's like fucking cordelia stops one by biting it on the arm and is like ha ah, see how you like it <laughs> yeah and like that thing we noticed at the uh, funeral home when they're just putting like fans and empty cabinets in front of doors they're doing that again like giles is rolling a thing over on wheels it's like, dude, it's on wheels. That's not stopping anyone. <laughs> and then like, oh, get this window and get that one. And yeah, like zombies, maybe. But vampires are super strong and super smart and want to kill you. There's no fucking reason that they managed to stop these things from coming into the library. Mm-hmm. But what can you do? They're just trying to escalate, make things crazy. And along those lines, that crack in the floor, uh, a giant Cthulhu horrible 
tentacle monster is also coming up from <laughs> uh, from the ground because fuck it why not let's just make things even worse yeah is there any correlation between anything else that happened and this thing being there nah i, I assume it was in the codex oh <laughs> okay okay How do you check your codex <laughs> Of course. And yeah, this is like, you know, we were talking about how uh, the show is so darkly lit and it's like, at least with the HD remasters, they kind of brighten it up a little. But man, this is a case where they could have gone for, I would have wanted 50% darker Mm -hmm. and a bunch of like mist. You got to do something to cover up this rubber monster because it fucking (laughs) sucks. (laughs) And Giles is fighting it with a sword. Like there's another episode later on just as kind of a gag, just in the background, the gang is fighting a monster and it's like this, like it's silly and it's a silly rubber monster. Except in this case, it's not supposed to be a joke. (laughs) It's supposed to be for real. But yeah, it it blows. It's terrible. (laughs) So in their darkest hour when... uh, the Hellmouth is about the the master's officially escaped. He's out. This monster's coming up from the thing from the ground. Vampires everywhere. Everything couldn't be worse. So then they cut to the Buffy theme song. Just starts playing. Yeah, <laughs> mid episode. That was awesome. Yeah, and Buffy's coming to save the day, and it's really cool. And she's doing the power walk with her and Xander and Angel. But then they just keep walking, and they keep walking. And it's like. You guys are kind of walking a little bit slow. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't you run? But they just slowly walk and make cool quips about like, don't worry, I got it. I'm a cool, smooth action hero. It's all going to be fine. And then I guess this is where, yeah, we're just kind of running out of time because it does all kind of wrap up a little fast of uh, the master, I guess, is on the roof of the school because, again, just conveniently, the Hellmouth is centered directly under the library. Which I do, I thought, I could have swore they brought that up earlier, but it's the kind of thing they should have just brought up earlier. Like, I don't know. They already said that the Hellmouth was connected to the school. Giles could have been like, hey, that's the reason the library's here. It's the reason I'm a fake librarian is because the Hellmouth is here or something. Hmm. But anyway, the master's just on the roof of the school. Buffy goes up to fight him. And he kicked her ass so easy the first time. So he does it again. He uses his vampire mind powers and he grabs her. And he's like, where's your jibes now? And I feel like that's him admitting that her sarcastic remarks earlier really hurt his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> he's just been brooding underground for like 80 years. And, he, and the first thing that happens to him when he starts to escape is some 16-year-old just starts cutting him up. And that really just fucks him up for life. Mm. Yeah, he's not like the way Moloch, the computer guy, just got on board with 90s pop culture. The master is like the opposite of like, well, fuck you. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> like he can't keep up with Buffy's clever ass shit that she says. Uh, so, yeah, she calls him Punchmouth and she throws him through the skylight. And uh, it is a little it's a little quick. It's a shame they didn't have a little more time to make this more of a fight because, yeah, he just she tosses him through the skylight. There's some conveniently pointy wood. He falls on it and dies. And uh, then the monster and the vampires. I guess this does lead credence to the idea that they're all under the master's thrall or something. Because the vampires immediately peace out. They're just like, fuck it. Okay, master's dead. I don't know what we're even doing here, but we're out of here. Before he dies, when he's like reveling in this rubber monster doing its thing, the master is, starts clapping. <laughs> he does. <laughs> like, it's like a baby when a baby sees a dog or something. It was like, like with the fingers pointed out and he's just beating its palms. It was so funny. I'm like, why did you make him be three and a half years old? It was awesome. 
I wonder if it's, does he have, like, vampire nails? Like, maybe he has long nail prosthetics? He does, yeah. He doesn't want to. But they're not that long. They Like, I did notice them because I was like, actually, his nails are very trendy for today. <laughs> um, so they wouldn't. <laughs> and they're literally, they no, they're, I was going to say they'd be called coffin nails. But no, his nails are almond shaped. <laughs> but they're not in the way of him clapping. He just clapped like a very sad baby. Yeah, and I'd say I guess it's uh, again he's like he's the first villain you've seen Ran, but I'd say on the Buffy villain scale, it is a little bit of a shame he went out so quick and so suddenly. Cause... Wait, so he's just done now? This is just it? Well, almost. Okay. And he's uh, definitely not like the best villain, but he's not the worst. Like I, I didn't, I didn't hate the master. He's like kind of that line of like he's sort of spooky and sort of cool and evil, but also sort of like telling dumb jokes, like when the the uh, earthquake happened earlier he's like what do you think 5.1 you know just stupid shit like that he's he really is like a prototype buffy villain he just <laughs> yeah. they haven't quite nailed it yet but he's okay i didn't mind the master but but we didn't really get a lot of time to really develop him and then yeah he just uh, just goes out like a bitch so the master's dead does every season take a similar approach where it's like introduction to villain at the beginning and then a little bit of growth through and then dead in the finale i'd say mostly not always but i mean not in this way where they have a thing that they call the big bad which is like there's a main villain in every season but it's not like they introduce it in the first episode and they do a bunch of unrelated bullshit all the way in the middle <laughs> and then at the end they it's like you know they, they do a full arc of like every you know it's, there's other sides things happening but sure there's always a main storyline that's being followed through for the season isn't it weird that buffy season one would have been better if they gave them less like if it was like a mini series and they're like you got four episodes it would have been would have been tight <laughs> they just yeah gave them too many episodes to just fuck around and do nonsense <laughs> so. yeah yeah it would have been great yeah and i never i never looked ahead to see how many episodes there were but everyone just kept talking about how this was a short season and like today short seasons a lot of shows are like six or eight episodes so constantly i was like oh, okay we must be almost done and then someone mentioned there were 12 and i'm like that's still so many of this right now oh yeah that's like a regular season by today's standards this is yeah like 90s traditional 22 to 24 episodes somewhere around there or something and then so this one was 12 so yeah it was a half season for buffy but but yeah, this was also the days of you know tv and internet was all in a different place you just wanted syndication. So like, let's just race the episode 100 as fast as we can so we can be on daily syndication. And, you know, Buffy was no different. That's part of why it's so cool that Buffy ends up being such a good show. Because it is it is in the same boat as every other piece of shit show that came out in the 90s. <laughs> you know, But I think that scene where it really is like the scene of this episode is the Buffy talking to Giles drama scene was like okay there it is there's the vision of what this show could be and we got there we finally got there that was my favorite part of the episode so that bodes well yeah me too that and and willow yeah like just the performances were good it was good yeah it really made me excited for what's to come because it was yeah i think like i hope you liked it rayanne because it's gonna be more like this than uh than Moloch going forward. Yeah, like I've said it in pretty much every episode, the things I liked the most about this show so far is the teen drama, and it's just a different way of framing it, you know? Yeah, the teen drama, like the kind of high school melodrama doesn't go away. Like this, you know, in this episode, it was a huge part of it, the whole like, who's going to go to the prom with who, juxtaposed with like the end of the world happening at the same time. 
Yeah, I'm so excited. I I have no idea what happens with Willow and Xander at all, and I'm not looking up at you guys right now because I really don't want to see any reaction. I'm just so glad I don't know, and I'm excited because I just know of these other characters. I barely know what they look like. I forget most of their names, but I know that there's just so much happening that's, like, canon. Is there... Are there new characters in season two that I'll be excited about? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a yes. there's a there's definitely one big one that is uh, okay. Good staying around for a while. Oh, I'm so excited. I was thinking about that too, where I'm just you know sitting around thinking about Buffy stuff as I do most of the day. <laughs> <laughs> wow, New Brunswick really is a shithole, huh? Oh, uh, it's fucking boring. So, uh, <laughs> like this episode, I was thinking like. If you made like your top 10 episodes of Buffy, this would never make it. It wouldn't make top 10. But if you made top 20, it's like maybe. It's possible this one could like squeak its way in. And I was thinking how amazing that is because of what they had to work with. Because I could think off the top of my head of like 12 or 15 other Buffy characters that weren't even here yet. Yeah. That are all amazing. Like they didn't have a lot to work with here. And it turned out pretty fucking good. I'm very excited about, yeah, getting. I'm getting very excited about what's to come next week's gonna be fun yay so then to wrap up uh, the episode because uh, the prom happens to be happening over at the bronze they're like oh hey you guys want to go to the prom I'm like fuck it yeah let's go and, and then as they walk out the uh master's skeleton is still there he just he dusted but his his bones didn't and i was just like seeing that i was a little surprised that that never came up later that seems like that would be the perfect thing that 100 percent does come up later like do they because i was thinking like they could use his bones for like a ritual or something like surely they could get some use out of these bones but i don't remember any bones happening oh yeah no that happens later i think they try to resurrect him hmm. i think the anointed one tries to resurrect him with the bones these bones nice yeah. okay good because yeah like a, a, i'm very my memories of season two are very scant so good because that's like those are very prominent bones <laughs> i'm just glad we're gonna keep talking about the bones at some point <laughs> yeah bones remember bones <laughs> there was a very prominent bones in this episode <laughs> but yeah i'm curious too to see with season two because yeah my memories of it are fairly scant but in my mind i would always think like season two and five were always kind of my favorites but i just don't remember that well and it's not like this show is going to take a 180 into immediate amazingnessville it's still the same show. Like, I can think of a couple season two episodes that are fucking real bad. So, like, we're still going to have some adventures of the week. We're still going to have some stuff like season one. But in my memory, it's all, in general, much, much better. So it'll be curious to see. We'll see how it goes. I'm just excited that in the last minute, we got to hear Keith say the word skint. Not once, but <laughs> twice. Yeah. So uh, speaking of, though, as excited as we all are for season two... I was thinking, because back at the start of this podcast, we were pitching the idea, should we watch the movie? But I was like, I don't know, the movie will just gum things up and confuse things, like, fuck the movie. But now that we're past season one... And now you'd like to admit that you're wrong? Yeah. And Mike was right? Well, I still think watching it at the start wouldn't have worked as well, because then we'd just be comparing the show to the movie. And why bother? Because fuck the movie? Yeah. That's (laughs) a good point. Yeah. But now that we're between seasons, maybe between each season, we should try to find some ancillary Buffy thing to cleanse the palate a little. And yeah, I just think this might be a nice send-off to proto-Buffy. If we watch the movie next week... That'll be like, okay, so there was the weird season of the show that didn't totally work. Now let's watch the weird movie that didn't totally work. And then that'll send us off into when the show did work. 
So how do you guys feel about that? Should we watch the movie next week? Sure. Yeah. I'm down. Immediately when this was over and I exited out of Amazon Prime, we were on uh, whatever shitty channel we watch all the time. And it was one of those stupid reality shows on uh, probably the Food Channel. And it was... Oh, it was on the Food Network, yeah. It was on the Food Network and it was called Outrageous Pumpkins. And the host was Allison Hannigan. Nice. <laughs> It was so bizarre, and people just had to, like, carve outrageous pumpkins so they could be the outrageous pumpkin champion. I did always think it was a bit of a shame that, uh, you know, it's like, career-wise, everything went fine for her, you know, with American Pie and with uh, How I Met Your Mother. But she just, like, I feel like she should have been in a drama or something. Like, she should have got the sweet Castle Bones gig that everyone else got, <laughs> and she never did, and that's uh, it's too bad. But, I mean, How I Met Your Mother syndicated sitcom... It went for 10 seasons. She's doing great. Yeah. She's doing just fine. Yeah. Big time. And she's got that outrageous pumpkins money now. <laughs> well, she's also host Penn and Teller's Fool Us. <laughs> Shit, yeah. You get that money, Willow. You get that bread, baby. <laughs> so, Julie, you want to wrap us up? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, okay, is it is it time for me to, to just poignantly wrap up this entire season of Buffy and our viewing experience and how we've been changed by it? Yep. Yeah, the whole season, everybody's waiting. Everybody needs it. Okay. And you know what? You Not only have you got to wrap up this whole season, you got to wrap up how I, Rayanne, and Mike, and yourself all individually felt about it and all of our various conflicting and differing opinions. And uh, if you could, make it brief. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, you know what? Coming into this, we weren't really sure if Buffy sucked. Some of us thought it might, some of us thought it, it, might, it might not. And you know what? At the end of season one, some of us uh, think it, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, he did it. He did it. Didn't think he could do it, but he did it. I always knew you could, sweet thing. Uh, thank you. That's it, huh? I remember the drill. One slayer dies, next one's called. Wonder who she is. Will you train her? Or will they send someone else? Buffy, uh... To say how he's gonna kill me? Do you think it'll hurt? Don't touch me! Are you even gonna tell me? I was hoping that I wouldn't have to, that there was some way around it. I... I've got a way around it. I quit. It's not that simple. I'm making it that simple. I quit. I resign. I, I'm fired. You can find someone else to stop the master from taking over. I'm not sure that anyone else can. All the, the signs indicate... Signs? Read me the signs! Tell me my fortune! You're so useful sitting here with all of your books! You're really a lot of help! I don't suppose I am. I know this is hard. What do you know about this? You're never gonna die. You think I want anything to happen to you, huh? Do you think I could stand it? We just got to figure out a way. I already did. I quit, remember? Pay attention. 
Buffy, if the master rises... I don't care! I don't care. 